Hello, Tile friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Tile Money Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the National Tile Contractors Association. And today I've got another great interview. I was able to catch up with Dirk Sullivan out of Portland, Oregon. He has a tile installation company. Maybe you've heard of it, Hawthorne Tile. He's a five-star tile contractor uh, with the NTCA, and he specializes in high-end uh, residential custom tile work. In fact, he had won two awards for design and installation there that week. So I'm really excited to uh, present this audio and this interview for you. I know you're going to really benefit from it. And don't forget, friends, at the end, there's a Tile Money tip with Ron Nash, and that's sponsored by Ladycree International, of course. And this is actually a two-part tip. Um, it's a series of tips, I should say. This is uh, part 6A. I split 6 into two parts. So this is 6A, and the very next episode will be 6B. So anyways, friends, I, uh, I hope you're having a great week and a profitable business week. And... Um, Keep reaching out to me. I'm enjoying getting to know you. Until then, take care. All right, Tile friends. Today I'm sitting down, standing up with Dirk Sullivan. I got to start saying standing up. How are you, Dirk? I'm good, buddy. You enjoying the show? I am having a great time. Good, good. So my audience really wants to dive into your business because you're out of Portland, Oregon. That's right. Yep. And you've got a great thing going on there. So we want to learn about that. But before we do, what are your hobbies? Um, You know, I've been... uh, I've been playing guitar since uh, high school okay and uh, once I discovered it I decided that's all I wanted to do so I went to college to study music and um, in college I met uh, three other dudes that had the same passion as me we got together started writing songs and in the early 90s um, signed a record deal to with Interscope Records, released a record, did the whole thing, and early '90s thing. I mean, Pacific Northwest was blowing up during that point in time. Yeah, you know, we we were playing shows with the guys from Allison Chains, and, and at the time, Mother Love Bone, which became Pearl Jam, and and wow. Uh, wow. there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of synergy in the area. It was awesome. I mean, it was a really That's crazy rad. cool time to be a musician. It really was. It sounds like and, it. And uh, and we got a, a, t- a small piece of that. We had an opportunity. It didn't work out. Uh, the way we had hoped, but you know, it's it's kind of uh, it's one of those things. It's like you never know if you're going to have the the right flavor at the right time. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah. So, I, but I still do. I still play music to this day, and I I, I, I adore it. That's right. awesome. Yeah. And you're in uh, two or three bands, you said? I'm in two bands right now. Two bands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So um, and I probably play a guitar at least an hour a day. Most of it's just sitting and noodling while I'm uh, watching TV or something like that. Yeah. But, so you're you're a Northwest native. Is yep. That, is that what I heard? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in. I was born in Portland. Grew up south of Portland, and then ended up moving back. Very cool. Nice. Thank you for sharing. What does your business look like today? How many employees? What kind of work do you specialize in? We have in the range of, of twenty. It's fairly. There's an organic number that kind of happens between between 18, 19, and 21 employees, depending on, you know, we might hire and we may lose somebody, but that's that's really about it. But right now, we're, it's the, it's the, there's eight crews, two project managers, myself. I sell, but I, I'm one of the salespeople still. Okay. And I'll usually see a job through from... I still have, I like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I've got a couple of accounts that I service. Okay. Right. And then um, Ryan and Travis, my other two project managers, they have all the other accounts. And then, and then anybody who calls the shop, it goes to one of those two guys. Yeah. But then once I sell a job I and mean, I see it through to completion, I usually hand it off to one of those two guys. Okay. And so when we've divided the city into, into uh, a way. So if it's, in this area, it's Travis's job. If it's in this area, it's Ryan's job. 
If Ryan gets too bogged down, then Travis will take the overflow, vice versa. Nice. Well, that sounds like a good thing. So yeah. you're the main uh, sales person. Yes, sir. Well, I wouldn't call, or, it, the, I wouldn't call it the main. I mean, like good. I said, I, I probably, I'm probably selling more work than those guys, but, but it's not because I'm, I'm selling some of the bigger projects. And so I may not sell as many jobs, but the dollar amount on the job might be higher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other main roles that you, I mean, you take on or... I'm here at Coverings, right? Yeah, so and yeah. and and I I'm really invested in the National Telecontractors Association. So yeah. with that, um, my role ends up involving a lot of other stuff that kind of outside of our business yeah. that I think directly influences our business. Yeah. Um, I think an interesting question I, I just thought of was uh, when it comes to hiring pro- project managers or or saying you're going to be a project manager. Can you take us through the steps? Like, you know, I mean. Once you're growing, you know, maybe you can manage and sell three, four, five employees. At what point did you say, oh, I need I need to step away from the managing. I need a project manager. That was actually a really, um, it's, it's not a simple answer. What I'll do yeah. is I'll take you back about seven years. Okay. Uh, about seven years ago, I think I was running, I can't remember how many installers we had in the field. Like five, maybe four or five installers in the field, um, a couple helpers that were becoming apprentices. Okay, I actually this is like this is like eight years ago. Yeah, and um, I was bursting at the seams. I mean, I was getting pulled in every direction. I'd yeah. be dealing with a job problem here, setting up a job, material didn't come in right. I mean, um, there's, we were overbooked by two projects, yeah. and um, I was just getting pulled in too many directions. Yeah. my fear about hiring somebody was always like, I don't think I can afford that person. But what? Right. And then all of a sudden it clicked. I, it's like you know what? If I can, I can. Of course, I can afford to bring somebody on because they're going to alleviate pressures for me, allow me to sell more jobs, yeah. and as well, they'll be able to sell jobs. Yeah. And in the case of, in this case, I started interviewing a couple friends in the industry, like that were own their own businesses, saying, okay. "Hey, you, you know, maybe you want to hang up your stuff and come over here." And, and a couple of people were like, "Yeah, that sounds great." Okay. And I had to weigh out who might be the best fit. Yeah. I was having lunch with my buddy Sean Parker, uh, who now works for Schluter. He, uh, but. But uh, he was sitting across me at lunch. He goes, well, why don't you ask me? And I said, well, dude, you got a successful company. I didn't think you'd want to do that. And he goes, yeah. oh, no, I think I'd be into it. I love that story. You never know unless you ask. You no, never know what somebody's situation you is. Know. You can assume things all day long, yeah. but you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and so what ended up happening was Sean came to work for us. He brought his main installer, who's now one. He is probably got two for one. Yeah, we did. We, we had a great installer. We brought Sean, who also brought a book of business with him. Yeah. So he didn't miss a beat. He came to work with us. Same book of business. We were able to grow. We hired a little bit more from okay, there. Okay. The installer he brought with him, Vladimir Blashishin. Uh, Vladdy is a very successful installer for us. He ended up being taking a CTI and, and becoming CTI number 1000. Yeah. There's a bit of a celebration. Yeah. Scott Crothers uh, brought him nice. to uh, coverings when it was in Las Vegas like six years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he took the ACT there. Um, and you know there was a bit of a celebration about him that being the awesome. one thousand. And actually, that was probably the point in time where I really kind of started getting involved with the NTCA. I kind of saw what happens. Like we got some notoriety a little bit because of, of Vladdy's accomplishment. Yeah. And then um, I became better friends with with Jim and Bart. I started seeing it's like oh my god, everybody here is accessible. I yeah. met at, you know at the time uh, I met Niall who was the president and, yeah. and James who was the first vice president yeah. and I realized how accessible these guys were and how much knowledge they had yeah. and you know we were talking just to, like you and I are talking here. Yeah. They, yeah. they openly told me about their businesses and what they were doing and how they worked their margins and I was like 
oh my God, I've been missing out on a lot. I really have. And, yeah. and it, from that point on, I just, I just dove in. I dove That's in. That's awesome. Yeah. And now you're really in, more involved within the NTCA. Absolutely, yeah. And, and is that a volunteer position? Yes. And what is that? Yeah. So, um, it started out, I, I became kind of an ambassador for the area. So it gave me a chance to get out and talk to other people about the benefits of, of membership and what the what membership the NTCA can do to improve your business yeah. if you're willing to if you're willing to see it and you're willing to um, you're willing to basically get involved yeah. and then um, and then I got involved in the technical committee they asked me to join the technical committee which was an incredible honor and and then as well I, I was on I joined the um, uh, education committee and then the membership committee and so I just got involved okay and um, and then from there, uh, um, there, the guy who was our regional director, Region 9, which is Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, um, he, he termed out and they asked me if I would do it. And I've, I'm on my second term doing that now. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's a huge investment of time. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Are you, obviously, you're seeing a return on that investment. I, I, I think I am. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I feel I, yeah, I shouldn't say I don't think it's something you can actually quantify with, with, sure. with sales. OK. 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 But I think you can quantify it with um, with how I feel, how my staff feels. Yeah. And what I've learned along the way and what I can bring back. You know, every yeah. time I come to one of these things, I bring something back. Even yeah. if it's a tiny little nugget, something like, okay, everybody, look at, listen to this. And we can look at a process we have and, and make it make some subtle changes to a process. I love it. That's perfect. Now, what kind of obstacles are you experiencing right now within the company? Is things going pretty smooth? I mean, we're in a boom economy. Yeah, you know, what? I think that anytime your company is scaling, I mean, whether it scales up or down, whatever, you have to make changes, yeah. right? And about three years ago, we, I, I kind of had this idea. I knew I needed to... Well, Five years ago, I knew I needed to buy a building. We needed to move. Our little office was too small. We were outgrowing it. Okay. And so I realized we need to we need to end up somewhere else. So okay. I started looking. I finally found a property that worked for us. I purchased it. Uh, it took about a year and a half to get it ready for us to move into. We moved okay. in, but now we we have all this additional overhead, and we grew it. Now we have extra space. We have we, there's more that we can do. Yeah. We ended up my office manager Laura, who's like one of my best friends. She's my sister-in-law. She's married to my wife's brother. Yeah. She's been my office manager for like 15 years. She, I could see she was getting cold. She same thing was happening to her that happened to me. Yeah. So we realized we needed to bring somebody on to basically help her. So yeah. we brought on a another friend of ours, Jane, who's Amazing, and then, and then that alleviated some of Laura's issues. Yeah. Not, I shouldn't call it issues; just pressure that was on her. Yeah. And then, um, and then, so then we had this little showroom. Other things were happening, so we had to scale again, where we needed somebody to handle our purchasing. Yeah. And then, um, so we brought in a good friend of mine, Jeff, who had been manager of American Olean. Yeah. Um, and so right now we have a massive amount of overhead. Okay. Yeah. So all these things, and everybody in the office is busy. Trying to really understand our overhead isn't as simple as it might sound. Right. Okay. It, it, you know, you can look at these things. You can say, okay, out of our sales, you can put project managers. Uh, you can put uh, any office staff. You can put any office expense. All these things into yeah. this pile, and that yeah. becomes your overhead. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you have to have sales to support it. Yeah. But you know, it's it's really a living, breathing organism because your sales really drive that percentage. And, and I, I still, I wish I could say I understood it. I'm constantly trying to understand yeah. that. What are, trying to keep our hands on it and trying to adjust our, maybe adjust our, our markup on things to accommodate for specific things. Yeah. I would love to get to a point where I could add, because right now the truth is, 
we're really expensive. Yeah. We're not, I think we're easy to do business with. We're the right choice to do business with, but we are very expensive. Yeah. And, 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 and it can't be any other way. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't make it, uh, um, I can't make it cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. But what I figure we can do once we can, if we can, if we can add a couple more employees, yeah. um, a couple more installers, then I think that we can drop our prices a little bit. Very cool. Maintain our margins, and that's where I hope to go. I don't want to grow, but I want to get to the point where we can we can do the work we do yeah. reasonably. I'm curious, how many how many installers and helpers do you have in the field? Uh, we have eight teams right now. So we sixteen eight, eight teams. So six about sixteen people. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, like, with their yeah. hands on the tools. Yeah, just about. Yeah, I think there's two. So four two, staff. Two of the uh, yeah. So two of the. We have some apprentices that are really getting close, yeah. and so we're kind of letting them go do jobs by themselves yeah. without a helper. Yeah. And trying to grow them at the end of their yeah. at the end of That's their. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you. Um, how do you how do you sell that value? Because being the more the more expensive guy, the more expensive contractor, how are you selling that value to your clientele? I, I, I think I think it's selling itself. Yeah. I really do, and yeah. I think I feel like I feel like that uh, we really try to we really try to understand our customers' expectations, especially our long term customers, our builders. Yeah. You know, we really want to have our hands on the jobs. We want to. Uh, we want to understand the expectations so we can ultimately exceed them. Like I was saying yesterday when we were talking, and that's really what it is. And you always want to kind of, you know, there's, we just want to make it as easy as possible to do business with us. Okay. okay. That's really, that's really what it is. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So it's nothing, I don't so, think it's anything we can specifically sell or spell out or apologize So we were for. talking about communication yes. and that's going to ease up um, relationships, you know. Exactly. Uh, ease the, ease the burden off the contractor or architect or designer. Yep. Stuff like that. Um, what advice, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, chill out, chill out, <laughs> chill out. Don't, don't, don't sweat the small stuff. I, I think it. that, well, honestly, I think that yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm hypercritical of myself yeah. and if something doesn't go right, I, I ultimately feel like it was my fault. Yeah. I'm the opposite of a lot. I know a lot of other people that go, it's always somebody else's fault. You know, they're always yeah. kind of push up, but I, I'm willing to admit fault yeah. and I'm willing and maybe sometimes I, I concern myself too much with that. It might be my fault. What I do wrong? What I do wrong? Yeah. Rather than saying, okay, well this happened. We're going to come up with a solution. It doesn't really matter who's, whose issue it is. Yeah. So, and then stressing out about timelines and, yeah. uh, and you know, I wish I could have relaxed a little more. Right on. And I wish, I hope, honest, and I hope my answer. future self could tell me the same thing right now, yeah. you know, a little bit. Don't worry yeah. about those things you got. It's going to work out. Yeah. At the end of the day, Everything gets done. Yeah, I like that. Any book rec recommendations? Are you a reader? Well, yeah, I'm, I am. And uh, the there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of business type of books. There's yeah. a lot of things. Um, I think that, you know, on a simple level, the, the, the book, The E-Myth, really describes who we are really well. There's an E-Myth for the contractor, but I think it's exactly the same book. I read yeah. them both. Yeah. It's exactly the same book. It just kind of puts it on the hat of a contractor rather than yeah. on, on this woman who owns, opened a bakery. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's like any artisan, they, they typically don't start their business on with an entrepreneur, right? Right. They start their business uh, because people are going, hey, you know, you're really good at this. You should start yeah. your own business. Work for yourself. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I can start my own business. Because you kind of feel like it's the only way you can get ahead, right? Yeah. And then what ends up happening is you you are good at your craft, but there's so many other things you have to do, so many other hats you have to wear. Yeah. And um, it, it drags us down. And then we realize, we, you know, a lot of times we have trouble um, properly pricing what, what it is we do. We yeah. feel guilty about taking money from people. Yeah. Take, feel guilty about marking things up. We felt, and so, you know, 
you know, where the entrepreneur comes in completely different. They, they come in, they write a, a business plan, it's scalable, they create all the job descriptions, they, uh, you know, have a really good handle on what it is before they even start. Yeah. So well, I love that book. It changed my viewpoint on the whole business owner, entrepreneur thing. Yeah. So well, yeah, it's, I mean, a, it's, it's logical and it's easy to listen to. It's also easy. Well, it's easy to read, but it's easy to listen to as yeah. well because uh, the author uh, reads it out loud himself. So. Yeah. And, and the second book, and I yeah. think it's the most important book for a contractor is yeah. Michael Stone's book, uh, uh, Markup and Profit, Markup. The Contractor Guide. Yeah. There's another one called Profitable Sales, which I think his book gets to the point very much like what I was saying, which yeah. is like, if you're bidding your jobs correctly, you're expensive, right? You're expensive. You are. Yeah. So you have to figure out how to market that or how to, how, and, and so, and I kind of, I really embrace that. Um, it, uh, it, it, it spoke to me because I realized I was dealing with exactly the same things. It's like I was, as I was creating pricing for myself, covering all my expenses, doing all these things, it's like, man, Installing tile is not cheap. Yeah. And especially for a super high-end clientele that really everything's under the microscope. Yeah. You got customers, uh, that you finish a job and it's uh, completed and it looks great. And they're going, they have a problem with something. And a lot of times it's like, hey, come here. Yeah. And they're on their hands and knees. You see that? I don't. Oh, maybe they grab a, micro or a, a magnifying glass and go, yeah, that right there. There's those little holes in the grout. Oh yeah, I see it now. Well, they're all over the place. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule. I know you've got a lot going on here at Coverings. Um, well, thank you, Luke. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to do this with you and for you. And I, um, I, I want to help you do, grow this uh, because I, I think this is absolutely one of the most important things out there that you're doing. And, and it's a gift to everybody. Your curiosity and is, uh, is opening a lot of people's eyes. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I appreciate your support and, yeah, and your friendship. Yeah. All right, Derek. Thank you. All right, friends. I'm back with uh, Ron Nash, sponsored by Latacrete, is the Tile Money Tips. And today we're, we're continuing the negotiation tips. And this is tip six. How are you today, Ron? Doing really well. I did spend the night in an airport last night. But other than that, I'm, I'm doing okay. Well, we appreciate your uh, your being here today. So what do you have for us today? What is tip six? Okay, tip six, we're going to talk about information gathering. And if you were in my training, and we were doing this face to face, I have little sayings that I do all the time. And this is my, my statement that I tell people all, all the time. Dumb is smart, and smart is dumb. Okay. Okay. You <laughs> when so you're going to have to explain that. Okay, when you're negotiating with something, in negotiating with someone, a lot of times people want to be the smartest guy in the room, mm. right? And they want to just like sort of show up and, and, and wow them with all the knowledge that you have. Okay. Yeah. Which, you know, is a really tempting thing, especially if you're a contractor who's put a lot of time and effort into training and, and all those things, which is great. There's nothing wrong with being really, really smart, right. but it, there is something wrong when you're so smart that you stop asking questions. Mm -hmm. Right. And when making a deal with a customer, the biggest thing that you can get is information from them that will help you craft a solution for them that will be um, frictionless and uh, will be better long term. Right. So you got to right. think about negotiation as a long term process in every single deal. And I have a, an, an acronym called BRT. Your goal should be to BRT. Build relationships of trust, all right? How can you build a relationship of trust if you're not trying to dig in to the other person's story as to why you're talking? Why are you there? 
And I don't care whether it's a multi-million dollar tile job on, on a huge high rise or dealing over the counter in a kitchen for a kitchen remodel that you're going to just do the, do the floor. You still have to make an effort to hear the other person's story, find out and asking a bunch of find out questions. Okay. And, and by the way, as you find things out, you'll also discover more power. Remember when I, my tips previously, I talked about sources of power in negotiation. Well, knowledge is one of those sources of power. All right. And, okay. uh, and we can talk about how that will work toward your financial benefit later. But right now we're, we're just going to talk about, you know, so here we go. Long-term process. Before discussing price, this is when you play this game. All right. Um, you deal with people on a personal level. If I'm, you know, let's take a residential approach. If I'm talking to a uh, husband and wife team and they are remodeling their house, their kitchens, I want to know as much as I can. I want to try to see the project from their viewpoint. Um, understand what they're afraid of, what they're afraid of. What are they nervous about? Um, you know, a lot of times they'll come out in little cues. They might have hired a contractor in the past. What was their mm. past experience? Right. You know, you know, that's a huge one because if a guy, yeah. if that comes out and they say, man, we hired this guy in the past and he was just dirty, you right. know, he, he left his tools all over the place or, or he never cleaned up or whatever. Those are little things that you can put down as items for sale later. What I mean by items for sale is I mean like, Hey, I just want you to know that we are, uh, our company policy is that we sweep up every day or whatever. You can ally their concerns, which yeah. will help you build a stronger position. Yeah. Right? So this is all how to gain that, those things. So, okay. um, so you're, you're listening for pain points and you're uh, providing solutions to those pain points. And, yes. and that in turn, you know, builds your uh, chance of getting hired. Is that correct? Exactly. So yeah. think about hiring someone. Okay, right. Luke, let's say you were going to take your house and you were going to put an addition on it. Right. If you could put yourself in your own shoes for a second and think about what are you afraid of in this? I'm afraid I'm going to get ripped off. I'm afraid the contractor's not going to show up. Yeah. I'm afraid I'm afraid they're going to make a huge mess. I'm afraid I'm going to get overcharged. Right. Right. So your technique of negotiation here is let's make sure that we're, you know, considering all these viewpoints. Okay. Um, right. and it also gives you an opportunity to switch between modes. Okay. Remember in previous tips, I, I talked about cooperative mode, competitive mode, organizational mode, and personal mode. Right. right. Well, if you start with each person that you're making a deal with first with the personal mode can be as simple as we have these things in common We've built, we BRT, we've built relationships of trust yep. that way later when they decide to open a negotiation or ask you for a better price or whatever, you have all this information you can draw on. And right. it doesn't matter whether that person is an estimator that works for Hensel Phelps with a half a billion dollar contractor or, yeah. or whether, and they have a huge organization that may, maybe 10 people that are going to be looking at your deal yep. or you know, whether it's you're in a competitive mode with someone where they're just trying to chisel you, you there's nothing that's wrong with knowing more about who, who you are and having a relationship of trust is a big thing. Yeah. Now, that helps you get to that cooperative mode. 
that cooperative let's win win let's build yep. a let's build a a project that makes us both win okay so um so be prepared to switch between those modes you could be talking to a big company go personal with the guy you're actually talking with to help him or to help you break down walls those kind of things okay okay all right i'm gonna sung Tzu. remember i told you in the in the in the source data you know that i i have the art of war right yep all right this is the art of war information gathering sung Tzu actually talks about using spies <laughs> now I don't suggest we use spies. I think that's probably right. that's probably not a great idea, a little unethical. But at the same time, do you know anybody that has ever sold to these people before? Mm-hmm. All right. If you're working with a contractor, um, do you know the electrician that might be on the job too? Is there a way that you can open up a, a dialogue with them? Hey, do you know this estimator? Uh, what what are they? What problems have you had before? Or whatever. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So yeah, any, definitely. Anybody that you can use that will help you gain information. And that may be even, you know, you have a private conversation with the husband or you have a private conversation with the wife. They may give you additional information. So uh, Sun Tzu would say, deploy spies. I don't think you should deploy spies, but I (laughs) I like the idea of using every bit of information that you can get from everybody who's ever done it. That's a great. That's a great tip. Uh, just keep your eyes and ears open. And I've even Googled people, um, check their Facebook profile. I mean, there's Absolutely. so many ways that are that are not you know sneaky or anything. It's just, hey, who am I going to do business with? You know, absolutely public information. You know, yeah. you can build relationships on tr- of trust by understanding uh, what struggles that person has gone through before. You know, if right. uh, let's say I took that electrician. Uh, conversation and yeah. he said, well yeah i've been working with this general contractor for 20 years and you know boy i tell you we had a really bad project and he got burnt yeah. by a tile contractor man yeah. that's that's a massive little bit of information because you could yeah. then with your proposal make sure that you address things that set you apart from that last negative experience right. there's nothing unethical about that that's right that's just good selling. That's just good understanding of, of your customers. So good practices. Yeah. Good yeah. practices. Yep. Um, okay. So the next, next little bit in the outline here is um, what are their needs and pressures? Okay. Needs and pressures are really interesting. So for example, um, I use that Christmas idea in, in previous, in previous uh, yep. uh, tips. Okay. Right. I have, I think it's a great example. So we're yeah. going to be hosting our whole family. They're going to be coming back, but we have to get this job done by, you know, no later than Thanksgiving because we right. have guests all the way through. That is critical information that you need to know because yeah. that may put extra pressure on yourself. You may, you may actually have to raise your prices in order so that you can hire more people in order to achieve the goals that they have. So if you're building relationships of trust and you're discovering the needs and pressures, rather than just taking every project and treating them all the same, yep, yep. you know, which is tempting, super tempting to do. But if you do, <laughs> if you do that, you're missing major opportunities. And also you could come off a hero. Right. You could say, you know, you could say, you know what? I know that you guys have listened to you and you said, you need to have this project done by this date. Now, understand if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to realign my schedule and I may have to deploy more people in order to make it happen. Yeah. So giving them a foreshadowing that, you know, we're going to have to add little cost to this. Yeah. That way it's not a surprise later 
when you're on the job and you and you're behind a little bit and you've got to go, work some overtime, which costs you money. Yeah. And this in this way, that information gathering has helped you uh, not waste money. Okay? Yeah, I can see that for sure. All right. So um, when I think about these things, I also think about bargaining power. Okay. Mm. Bargaining power goes back to one of my previous tips where we talked about the iceberg theory, right? On uh-huh. the, to- the iceberg, the top of the iceberg is just simple what everybody sees that they're going to buy something from you, a good product or service. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And people think, Oh, it's all only about that. But in actuality, more than 70 or even 80% of the choices have nothing to do with price, the good or the service. Most of them are the things that were below the water, the unspoken things. Um, you know, we, t- we talked about that. So, so, what are the unspoken things? I've I've taken the the liberty of just making five of the ones that came to the to the yeah. top of my mind. Okay, so yeah. five.